podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got everyone we're back i'm sorry we missed last week i had massive plans to uh do a the the initial opening rounds of the world cup being its own episode but uh somebody <coughs> myself was a bit under the weather so we had to cancel that episode so we're going to cram in the preliminary rounds and what's happening so far in the super 12s of the t20 world cup into this episode and to help me with all of that i'm joined by both my co-hosts how are you today glenn I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Big day. Big day. And I've got a big day tomorrow, but uh, I'm good. I'm feeling good. How about you, Aaron? How are you feeling? Oh, I'm good, thanks, mate. I don't have a big day tomorrow. Yeah, you're on leave, I just heard. Yes. Lucky you. Yes, I tried to keep that to myself, <laughs> basically. <but laughs> yeah. People will fill it up if yeah. they know, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, people will want things. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so far... Anyone who's uh, wanting any interest in our our personal cricket lives, we haven't really got anything happen. None of us have played a lick of cricket so far this this summer or this this season because it's been raining nonstop where we live. It's just been awful. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yes, well, the frustration came bolting through last Saturday. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we, for we, a second, like, we, we might did. get on. We, there was a sniff that there could have been some cricket play. Yeah. And then the weather guys just said, no, go to the pub. Yeah, go to the pub. It was just enough to keep us interested. Yeah, well, particularly you guys who, I mean, yeah. I don't really fancy your particular grade yeah. in the next. Glenn being an opening batsman. Glenn being an opening batsman. Turf wickets in this town. Yes. It's, yeah. um, well, someone else can open. <laughs> I'm a team guy. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, and not so bad for us on AstroTurf, but... We just need the grounds to be dry enough to not be marshland. I think yeah. first grade got on and um, and played about 20 yeah. overs. Yeah, they, they got... started a bit earlier than us, so yeah. they managed to get some in before the rain. So it was ended yeah. up being a washout. Uh, before we get into all the nitty-gritty of the World Cup stuff, just a couple of quick things, and uh, you guys need to stop me if I go too far because I'm the one that's more than likely to drag this out. So a couple of points before we get going. We've got a new one-day international captain. Yeah. So what? <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit more. We've appointed a one-day international captain who uses one-day internationals for rest periods. Yes, that's that was my point. So Pat Cummins has been, uh, he's going to do double duties. He's uh, doubling up on the um, test captaincy and the one-day international captaincy, and that was my big concern as well. So we're either going to yeah. run the risk of burning out our a champ, like best bowler in the world, linchpin of our team, captain of our test team, arguably the most important person in Australia, Pat Cummins, by making him play all of these meaningless one-day international bilaterals. And there's going to be a lot of them because we're coming up to a World Cup in 2023. Or we've said to we've, we're saying to the Australian public and the Australian cricket organisation at large, we're happy to have a one-day international captain who is part-time and will miss games while fit. And I'm not particularly comfortable with my captain being fully fit and missing games for workload. I'm comfortable with the idea of Pat Cummins missing yep, games. Absolutely. But I don't think that the captain of the side should be a player. The captain's fit, he should play. 
Simple as that. Um, Maybe he'll bat at five. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is my rest. Yeah. This is my rest day today, guys. I'm just gonna I'm gonna slot myself in at five six and just be a batsman for this one. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't mind the idea. Like I don't mind the idea of Cummins being a captain. I think he's um he's had a good start to his, his test career as a captain. He knows when to lean on the advice. Of, of others, experienced guys, um, yeah. and, and utilize the players around him to. Yeah, you know, it's not quite captaincy by committee, but it's also not my way or the highway. It's a. It, it, I like yeah. it. It's. It's so far. It's. You know. It's paying dividends. You can't. Uh, other than the, the the stumbling in Sri Lanka, we've we've played pretty good cricket under Pat Cummins as captain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just not entirely comfortable with the idea that either we're going to work. Cummins into the ground by making him play all of these one days when we risk losing him for important test matches or the flip side is that he's going to be rested for one day and we've got a perfectly fit captain sitting on the bench. It's just absurd. And I mean, just another just another con- contradictory decision from a governing body who couldn't organise fleas to bite a dog. Mm-mm. Well, you'll enjoy this point. This is a nice segue because speaking of just absurd decisions by a, an absurd governing body, I was going to do a soapbox for this, but we don't have enough time because we've got so much World Cup stuff to talk about. So this was going. I was going to play the music. I was going to do the whole week thing about we haven't played it in a while, uh-huh. but uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to put it out. Tim Payne has uh, released expert like ex- parts of his book, um, and basically so the, the worst kept secret in Australian cricket is that Tim Payne didn't resigned from the captaincy. He didn't think that his presence in the side was a distraction and he took it upon himself to remove himself from that situation. Um, Cricket Australia hired a third-party PR firm and had that third-party PR firm tell Tim Payne that the best thing for you to do is to resign from the Mm. captaincy. So they were too gutless to even make that decision themselves. They had to go, Nick Hockley had to go around the the outside and get someone else who was completely unfamiliar with the situation to come in and uh, Mm. tell Payne that he was out. And I just, it is one of the most cowardly, gutless, woefully inept things, cancel culture bullshit that we've had that I've seen. Like, this was a thing like we've, we've talked about in the past. This is a thing that happened years ago that was dealt with by the board, and the board cleared him of it. Move on. It's all documented. Even Tim Payne said this. You you know this. We know there's nothing going on here. If you guys have got my back, we'll get through it. This is this is a mistake that I made in my personal relationship with someone else. I haven't abused anyone. I haven't harassed anyone. You know, I've stuffed up. We've done this. It's all above board. You guys got my back, and Cricket Australia's going. We don't. No, you want you out. So the two the two people in charge of turning Cricket Australia from the mess that it was after Sandpaper Gate, Justin Langer and Tim Payne. These are the guys we've handed the keys to and said, "Mate, this is the worst the Australian cricket team ever been. The public hates us. Our reputation is shot to bits. Two of our best players are banned for a year." We've got no captain. We've got no vice captain. You guys, you need to plug the holes in the ship. Mission accomplished. They did that. And the way that we treat them is just find a technicality to piss them off. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm so, I was so livid. I knew I knew that was the answer when it happened before, before the Ashes, but when we finally got confirmation that that's the way they did it and they not, didn't even have the guts to do it in, themselves to Tim Payne, they had to go and get some third party that wasn't affiliated with cricket at all to basically tell, yeah, the, the right thing for you to do is to step down. My, 
I've got a couple of questions about that as well. I mean, how much information was this third party given in relation to the details of the of the affair for starters? Did he come in just blind and go, well, mate, from my newspaper experience of 30 years, blah, 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 this isn't going to go away. So your best bet is to like hop on your horse and ride off into the sunset, mate, and it'll be all blown over in three or four days. Never mind that your reputation's in ruins, you're losing the highest, one of the highest honours in Australian society. You probably caused damage to, to his wife and family again, and, despite it all. And not only that, we, we lose part of the fact. It wasn't just the fact, like, say, Steve Smith, we're going to take the captaincy off you. That's the best thing for you to do is to resign from the captaincy after Sandpaper Gate. Steve Smith knew in 12 months he'd, be, he'd walk back into the team with open arms. Tim Payne at 37, if he's not the captain... We're not carrying a 37-year-old wicketkeeper. He's not that far ahead. He was the best gloveman in the country, but he wasn't that far ahead of everyone else that you'd be like, well, let's persist with this when we could get a young Carey or an Inglis or whoever in. We're going we're gonna to make moves to get the young guy in who's got 10 years ahead of him as opposed to Payne who might potentially have six or seven games. So by saying you need to step down from the captaincy was actually, in effect, you need to retire. You need to quit your livelihood. This... This PR thing that we have got, we think is bad enough that we can no longer employ you to work for us anymore. So that, that's what it is. He got sacked yeah. by Cricket Australia for something that happened four years ago that was not illegal, that was entirely consensual and dealt with. Yeah. I think the, the scary thing about that is, um, you know, it's, it's at the point where if they just don't like you for whatever reason, they can go into your past. But just what, dig up anything. But really, what is the reason know? for them not liking him? There's a, there's yeah. another, you know, why is well, it there must be a reason. the yeah. guy who got, I mean, let's go back and just do the Tim Payne story very, very briefly, was out of the limelight for a long time. We were, we desperately needed a, a good wicketkeeper, okay? Somebody said, oh, Tim Payne. 18 months later, the guy's an Australian test captain leading us to an Ashes series thing in, like, it was a draw, but, you know. First did, time we retained the Ashes in England. First time we retained the Ashes in Forever, okay. And like you said, him and Justin Langer were, were given, you know, it's like, it reminds me very much of a, I guess the analogy I would put to it is like in a dictatorship where if you're the favoured son, you get all all the favours and then when they're not quite happy with you, they take you at the back and shoot you. Yeah. Well, you know, they were the favoured sons. Yeah, you've... And then they've been both taken out the back and shot. Yeah, just absolutely <laughs> disgusting the way they were both treated, Espe- like, especially Justin Langer. But, yeah, you know, the fact that yeah, that's... The, the 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 PR cancel culture knee-jerk reaction to that is not even bothering to stand by their guy. Not even a, like a public, not even like a statement of support for Tim Payne and then behind the scenes going, look, I think it's best. We're getting absolutely murdered in the press. We can't. There was just straight up, no. Nah. Before the story even broke, no, nah, you're out. Get ahead of it. Re- resign. Just absolutely uh, gutless, and, and, inept leadership. And look where we are. We're still talking about it two years later. <laughs> well, you know, so it, it hasn't gone away, well, has in, it? In a sense, this is Tim Payne releasing his his novel, so he's he's bringing this back yeah, up on himself. So, of course. But and, the and, thing is, it, it, the fact is, he'll sell he'll sell books and make some money out of this because 
of the way that it was handled so ineptly and so poorly in the first place and then when they told the Australian public a pack of lies that he that he fell on his own sword. Well, that was something that Tim Payne had actually mentioned. It was that he was really disheartened by the fact that after he stood down, he had members of the board saying that if they were in charge at the time, they would have done it differently and just, like, completely not only throwing him under the bus but then standing in the mirrors and guiding the bus driver back to make sure that they got the bits that they missed. Like, yeah. it was – it's all documented. Everyone knew about it. It was all dealt with and then they're like, oh, no, 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 that's not us. That's If we were in charge when Tim Payne was made captain, we wouldn't have had that. We would have – he wouldn't have got – no, he wouldn't have flown here, not under this leadership. We're mm. tough and this leadership – Knew about it, yeah. It was just the way they hung him out to dry, mm-hmm. just absolutely disgraceful. But I could go on and go on and go on, but I'm not going to. And they couldn't find an excuse to sack Justin Langer, so they just said, "Oh, he doesn't suit our, you know, game oh, style." Doesn't and he, he, he upset? He upsets our, our players are too precious. Is what? <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. I still every time I think about the whole Justin Langer thing, it really, really burns me because Justin Langer is a is a favourite of mine, and he he epitomises the Australian he Test does. cricketer. Yeah, yeah. You know, he is he bled for this country. You know, he sacrificed for this country, and like physically, mentally, in in so many ways, all around the world, represented this country of honour. Took on the most dirty job in Australian in Australian sport, made a success out of it, and then for his trouble got about thirty five knives in the back on his way to out yeah. the door to boot up the bum. And well, the, I mean, you could you could see it was you know in the test documentary it was actually affecting his personal life. You know, mm-hmm. he, he put that much of himself into it, and that's you know it's, I suppose it's what you expect, but. Um, but, but from all know. things the reported is that he they went to him, the players went and said, look, this is, can't do this, he's a tyrant or whatever it is. We And they went to him and said, we need we need to fix this. We need to compromise, we need to meet in the middle. And then Justin Langer went away and did that and then won a World Cup. And, yeah. and then an Ashes series. And then for his, what did he get for his troubles? No. Nah. You go through any of the major sports in the world and go and find, you know, yeah, Manchester United, the San Antonio Spurs from the, yeah. the NBA, Liverpool, um, the yeah. uh, the New England Patriots. You go look yeah. at all those coaches, and none of them are cuddly, feely, pat you on the back. Huh? Um, well, you probably, know, kumbaya coaches. Well, they're all hard, like they will reward you when rewards are necessary, but they're hard taskmasters. They're drill sergeants. They yeah. get shit done. Well, that's and they don't. Apologise for wanting to get shit done. Probably the most famous NFL coach of all time uh, of them all time will be Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. Yeah, he's he not apparently a... is an absolute mongrel. Yeah, he's not a fun <laughs> guy to be I've around. I've seen a couple of like behind the scenes documentary things about him, and he's as ruthless as hell. <laughs> he is as ruthless as hell, and you don't get to be successful without having that ruthless streak. But it inspires loyalty in people because they so know. Long, so that long as it's consistent, yeah. so long as everyone gets treated, you mess up whether you're player A or player yeah. 50, yeah. you get treated the same and you make the same mistake, players will back behind that. And that's yeah. what most of those co- those coaches that's, say. The, it's accountability yeah. for everyone. And and from what we hear is Justin Langer wasn't taking yeah. crap from, you know, you, you David Warner, yeah. you're doing stuff wrong, you got yelled at. If you were... The Nathan Ellis coming through, 
stuff it up. You got yelled at, or mm. you know, however it was. It's just yeah, you don't. There are almost I can't think off the top of my head. And, you know, I'm pretty sporty. I follow a lot of sport, and I can't think off the top of my head a single coach that was that warm, cuddly, generous, mm-hmm. you know, soft touch coach that has made a, a name, a legacy for themselves in sport. Well, even just a bit closer to home, probably the closest that we would have if, of some coach in that mould would be Andy Postacoglu, who come from absolute nowhere. You know, started off in South Melbourne, won NSL titles, went to um, Brisbane, you know, created his dynasty, went to Melbourne, created a dynasty, and he goes there and he holds his players accountable and that's the thing that you always hear from him and like he's over in in Celtic FC over in Scotland now and that's what they say he makes you accountable you have to do it all all Justin Langer has done as a coach is win yeah yeah all right I mean he he the coach you're talking about I'm not going to try and pronounce his name plus the yeah Yeah. I mean he he must have been pretty uh uh, he specifically knew what he wanted because yeah. he was the one who brought all the young guys into uh-huh. the Socceroos. Yeah, and that was a that was a big deal then. Yeah, it was a very big like deal. Cule and, uh-huh. So he know, made a he, lot of. He, he big might have been decisions. more in the in the cuddly mode per se, but um, no. he knew what he wanted. Yeah, said this. You know. Well, he said to I mean, and all high performance coaches set very high standards. Yeah. And if you're not prepared, I mean, the, in any sport, if you're not prepared to go to have a, to respect your coach about what he, the way he wants to do it because he's the coach and you're the player, then maybe you should be the coach. Maybe you should give up your cushy million-dollar-a-year contract and everything like that and go and do the hard yards like your coach has done, getting his qualifications and learning his processes and, and understanding he, how he his philosophies if you think you can do it better than him. If not, you need you should be giving him the respect from the very start. It's very different, and I think we've all done a little bit of coaching at some level, and the thing with the coaching, the difference between playing and coaching, playing, you need to get the best out of yourself. Yeah. That's what your your job is. I need to go out and perform to the best of my ability. As a coach, your job is to get players, lots of players, yeah. to get the best out of themselves. You need to find ways to get the most out of a group of players. It's very easy to go and concentrate on what you need to concentrate on as a player. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Technique, mentality, preparation, physical fitness, that's all stuff that you can control. As a coach, you've got to try and control things that are inherently uncontrolled. If you've got a player that won't put the effort in on game day, you can't control that. And so it's it's never as easy as what players think it is. It's an entirely no, different skill set. And, that, and that's where the level of respect should come. All right. Well, that'll do from that. It was a bit longer than I wanted, but it was built up. To, it really made me mad, that uh, that Tim Payne story, which then cannonballed into the Justin Langer one because it was one of the most disappointing parts of in memory. It's almost as sad as Sandpaper Gate is the, the way that Payne and Langer were dealt with. But we've got a World Cup to talk about, so straight after this we'll get into some of the big moments of the preliminary rounds. What a treat that we were started off, we were treated to for the beginning of this World Cup. I mean, it was amazing, the preliminary rounds. And I think as much as we as a group, we would comfortably say that T20 cricket is not our favourite format. It would, wouldn't be close. They would probably, we'd invent formats put between one test cricket and one day to national cricket before yeah. we got to T20. Bring back the 35 over games. <laughs> 
but I have to say that the um, this World Cup has, has been the ultimate equaliser, and it, it really is a good showcase for this. This beginning of the World Cup is a showcase for why T Twenty as a format works globally, because the two of the first three games you had two champions, three time winners combined. So between them, they've got three World Cup titles knocked off by associate nations comfortably. Yeah, mm. not, no fluke about them. Namibia but spanked prob- Sri Lanka. Probably two of the most one-sided games in the entire preliminary round was Namibia v Sri Lanka and Scotland versus the West Indies. Mm. And everything else was really good, tight, quality cricket, mostly on the way up, except for those games where they, they just mopped the floor with them. It was yeah. amazing. Well, the, the games between the associate nations were, pretty, were very close. Mm. But when I mean the West Indies, I'm not sure where they go from here. Well, Phil Simmons has announced he's stepping down from the. I think it was yesterday he announced yeah. he's stepping down from the role, which I think um, is the right that that team is just going in the wrong direction. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. it needs an overhaul. They've got uh, they've got they've got the makings of some talent there, yeah. but they just don't seem to know how to put it all together. And yeah. I, it, it is a rebuilding phase. I mean, Gale's gone, Bravo's gone. Um, Pollard's, Pollard's gone. gone. You know, Dre Russ didn't come for this one. So there's a lot of T20 experience that didn't show up for for this one. Yeah, but having said that, but that all were... of these guys play CPL, IPL. My the big glaring thing for me with the West Indies is a to- with their batsmen is a total lack of game awareness. Yep, it's and, just there. It yeah. is. It's six or sticks, and that's yeah. what we said uh, in the preview for the World Cup. Is they've got they've got hitting down to ten, and if they fire. They will monster teams, and they just simply won't be able to score enough runs to, to keep up with them. They'll just yeah. put too much, too many runs. But they just never got that going. Every time you'd have King have played a couple of nice knocks, and Mayer's played a couple of nice knocks. But just guys just kept throwing wickets away, losing wickets in bunches, and what yeah. should have been something around two hundred more often than not would turn into one fifty. And well, not teams, even that. And I these mean, teams to chase it down. I feel like the CPL really does reward that flashiness too. Yeah, and is that, it is, and is that sort of... It's small grounds, it's, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. I don't know what it is about it, but they, they don't... There's, there's not a lot of rewarding the quiet achiever, the, uh, you know, the, the anchor kind of role. Well, if you look at look at Raheem Cornwall, who's, you know, a bit of a favourite. You know, he's we like him. But he scored yeah. a, a stack of runs in that, and he's just coming in, and he there is no... Genuine technique to his batting, not T Twenty level anyway. It was just clear the front foot and heave everything over cow corner, yeah. and and that worked in that tournament. So I think you're right. There is a maybe it's a uh, the small grounds, the pitches. There's a standard there that's that we, you know just getting out and slogging. If you've got enough sloggers in the team, you'll make enough runs to yeah. put yourself out of danger. The, the West Indies have got plenty of quality bowlers. Their bowling attack yeah. was. You know, was more not, often than not, doing the job. To, it's up to scratch for in a T twenty. I don't, I don't think it's a World Cup winning attack at the moment, but yeah. they they're mainly young, and there's yeah. there's enough there. Like Alzari Joseph was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just they've got some work to do. They need to really overhaul the way they approach the batting components of of yeah. their game, and I'm really concerned about what that's going to look like for the t- the um, the the fifty over World Cup coming up. Luckily, they are hosting the next T20 World Cup, so they don't have to qualify. Otherwise, I don't necessarily know if they get through the qualifiers to the next one either. No, and if you continue along the the progression chart of these associate nations, 
You know, if the West Indies keep finding themselves down here in these qualifying things, they're going to lose out quite often. So if we fell out of the top eight for this 2020 World Cup, we wouldn't have had to have qualified. No, because we're hosting. No, we're hosting. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're automatically hosting. I didn't so, know that. Um, so it was just a pride thing. Yeah. We didn't want to fall out of the eight. No. <laughs> well, no, we don't want to fall yeah. out of the eight for the one day. Is that's what you're? Oh, right, right. Because right, then we'd yeah. have to qualify for. Oh, the for 50 the fifty-eight, yeah. Because yeah. isn't it? It's, it's in India. It's like now we play. What, I don't have a super league. I don't. I don't think we're something? in. I don't think we're in trouble now after taking out the Chapel Hadley because we're going to get three wins from in a row from South Africa because they're forfeited. So that's, yeah. that's oh, that's right. Happen. So I, I don't think we're in too much danger of missing out now. But if we'd. Uh, if we drop Zimbabwe and then drop New Zealand, then we would have we would have been a real uphill battle. Yeah. Um, some other great things. Uh, Scotland came up against Ireland the next game and looked like they were about to um, knock the Irish out of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And then Curtis Camper with it, like he's had some big World Cup moments. He took a, a double hat trick in the one in the UAE and came out and scored that blistering eighty odd and just really dug like it was. We're going to talk about Virat Kohli's innings against Pakistan the other night a little bit later on, but it was of that same calibre. It was that sort of innings. Ireland lost a lot of wickets up front, had a lot of work to do, and then he's come out and just guided them home. It was awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's a very good player. I've seen him play quite a bit. Well, I think all credit to, to Ireland and Scotland. They've come forward, yeah. uh, especially Ireland. Yeah, the, I mean, the Irish always know. We're about to talk themselves. about them again, I'd say, in the main dance. The Irish are starting to produce some good batsmen. They look like... Yeah, Harry Tector yeah, is Harry fantastic Harry Tector is a good player. you got Balboni, um, and obviously... Paul Sterling's always going to be a force until he retires at, um, yeah. at, at T20 and one day the national level. He's a, yeah, he's so a fantastic they now, ha- they ha- now have enough guys in the team that can produce enough Lord, runs. And Lord, really, by all rights, they should be in a rebuilding phase as well. And yet... They're not. Yeah, this kind of going from strength to well, strength. Yeah. Lorcan Tucker is another guy that uh, has... He's the wicket keeper, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and Doc Rule. I remember when I first started watching Ireland, Doc Rule was a bowler. Yeah. He, he's a bowler. Yeah. yeah. But he's turned himself into a really handy sort of bowling all-rounder. Yeah. Almost borderline batting all-rounder for, for Ireland over the last couple of years. So they've got some they've got some good talent there. They have yeah, really been... benefited from playing a lot of international cricket. They've mm-hmm. played a lot of international cricket over the last three years. Yeah, I mean, they're really lost... starting the show. They've lost both O'Briens. Um, you know, Boyd Rankin is gone. I think. Yeah, he, he would have retired by now. Um, so that's you know that's a, a fair backbone. William Porterfield as well. Yeah, Porterfield's, Porterfield's gone. gone. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they've just. They're just coming through. They must have yeah. a, a good Mark, system over there. Mark Adair, Josh Little, those guys stack up against any T20 bowler in the world. Josh like, Little is genuinely sharp. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just it's good to watch. I feel sorry for Namibia. They had a really high high that opening World Cup game, yeah. and then they just couldn't get the job done for the for the other two games. Dropped yeah. uh, dropped a game, a tight game against the Netherlands, a tight low scoring game, yeah. and then um, and then the UAE managed to get their inaugural World Cup. Win or their, their their first one on the back of a hat trick. Oh well. yeah, it was a great. Uh, oh no, good... the, no, it wasn't in that. They got that against um, 
Sri Lanka didn't either, hat trick. Yeah, it was not Sri Lanka, right. yeah. It was <coughs> great. That uh, was just very Ma- good. Ma- Ma- Myazapan? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, think, I think that's a drug, but it was along <laughs> those Myazapan. Diazapan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I wrote it down. It was, it was yeah. difficult. He, oh, yeah. Some genuinely, out. like, the, his hat trick ball was. His hat trick ball was a corker. Whoa, that was good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then they go and play Namibia, and Namibia basically needed to win that game reasonably well, and they were, they were through, and they just, they dropped the ball and couldn't get it done, and, and the yeah. UAE managed to get one on the board. They've got their first World Cup win, yeah. and just I think a lot of these associate nations go away from the first round of all of this, even if they haven't qualified with hope. Well, I think, and... the, I think the thing is too. They all belonged. Anyone, yeah. like especially yeah, you know, Scotland missed out quite easily. Could have made it. Um, you know, these these teams are getting to the world, and it's not just that uh, we're in the pool, it's going to be the, the the top, you know, the top 10 sides that didn't quite make it, they're going to be in there, they're going to win, and, you know, we're just here to make up the number. Like, they can genuinely, those those fringe... Maya Pan. Maya Pan. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, pretty those, those, those fringe uh-huh. test nations that normally have just, look, we're just here because we need to give you guys a run, mm. um, but... It's our World Cup spot. It's no longer a thing anymore. Like Sri Lanka, quite easily could have could have been beaten yeah. and not qualified through. The West Indies didn't. You know, um, Zimbabwe. How good are they? They're back in. They're playing into their first uh, Super Twelves in a World Cup since yeah. ever. I think this is the first time they've made it through past the opening stage. They actually they got the they got the Colonels. They're a very good. Young team, I think. There's um, some potential there, and like a couple of bowlers go all right. I think they're in a, they're in a real treacherous spot because a lot of their their key batsmen are getting a bit old. Are getting a bit old, so yeah. your Irvine, your Williams, and they're going to be tough to yeah. tough to replace. Even but Raza, he's thirty one. Yeah, know. um, he was he's played some phenomenal games for yeah. Sri Lanka over the last twelve months. I really like that Matt Havere. Yeah. Um, he looks like a Where's great... Where's the Matt He's like yeah. 21, 22. He's going to be... Yeah. He's he got 70 odd against us in one of the one days, didn't yeah. he? And he looked, he really looks the goods. Um, really, really good fielder. Blessing yeah. Muzrabani, that guy. I've, I've waxed lyrical about him for ages. He's a great bowler. I'm really upset that I didn't get to see more of him in those one days against us. He's, he's going to be a handful. Chitara swings the ball around corners. Yeah. Tendai Chitara. Yeah. He's, yeah, they've got the... I don't think they've got the... Yeah, they're a couple of gun batsmen shy, I think. Yeah. Uh, ra- especially at the top. They need someone to really fire at the top. Yeah. Um, Matavera is... I think is that's his role, is they're trying to get him to be that sort of enforcer at the top and go hard at the beginning. And it's sort of semi-come off a few times. Yeah. But I there's don't a, there's necessarily a... think it's his go, though. Mm. I'd rather see him play more the... The controlling role. I think they're a team that very much hinges on if Sikander Raza doesn't score a stack of runs, yeah. they're going to find themselves he's, short more often than not. He's close to, you know, one of the, the he'd be in the top fifteen batsmen at the World Cup almost. Oh, for sure. He's, he's, getting, you know, he's getting up there, like based on on look on performances it. over the last twelve months. If you said who are the form fifteen batsmen, oh, he, yeah. he's got a case to be in. He'd be there, that, yeah, for sure. No yeah. doubt, he's in better form than most of us. <laughs> <laughs> he just really stands out as well. Like I mean, he's, he's great in the field. He's handy with the ball. He's um, excellent with the ball. Yeah. Like he, he, it's. Underrated how good he is with the ball and the way he can hide these tra- like the changes behind his back as he runs in. Yeah, um, yeah. It, the uh, the uh, um, 
leagues will be um, watching him with uh, interest, I think. The the IPL and such. Yeah, I don't know. Be, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not sure he'll end up at, in the IPL to start with, but I could certainly see him at, in some of those newer leagues where he, he'd probably be almost a marquee player for some of those teams. I'm honestly surprised that... Uh, I don't know whether or not he he's already signed with... Other like you know you'd have to think that possibly he'd be a, a really uh, interesting player to pick for maybe like the South African one as he's from Zimbabwe yeah. something around the corner or the yeah. the UAE but I'm surprised his name didn't get more of a like a, for the BBL draft his name wasn't up as a, a potential option. I think the BBL draft really needs a yeah. Anyway, I think we we, the, we, we did the, the, we the, debate about the, half an episode on the frailties yeah. of the BBL. The, the draft. BBL, the, the 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 BBL, the production team of the BBL draft knew far less about cricket than what it led on. Oh, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, but yeah. I I just think it's just been an absolutely fantastic. And coming from someone who's pref- I would prefer to not watch T Twenty cricket, I'll yeah. watch it if it's on because it's cricket. I love cricket, but if I had a choice between watching. Um, you know, the Big Bash or, you know, Pakistan versus the West Indies in a test match. I would 100% be watching Pakistan versus West Indies in a test match. Yeah. The, um, big, the Big Bash it's been, really has become a bit of an afterthought for a lot of people, I think, in Australia. And, there's, and therein lies the problem. There has been great, great cricket being played. And I... In, and. It is, it's, the, the first few games of this World Cup is an example of why... This format works. Yeah. Okay. It's certainly not, you know, traditionals aren't going to hate it. It's hit and giggle and all that. But if we just play test cricket, no. Namibia never plays. No. You never see some of those guys play. And the Netherlands never play. You know, Ireland might sneak in every now and then. You know, you, but all of this stuff that we've seen and these countries that have come along and then sounded out to the guys like the West Indies to, to um, you know, to England to like, we, we belong here. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. We can go toe to toe with you guys, and you in, would in, not over that. twenty overs. It, you know, anything you, can happen. You yeah. wouldn't get that in the long forms of cricket. It just simply would not happen. It just and evens it's, itself yeah, out. It's, the, it's, the it's an equaliser, yeah. and um, and I think that it's and the and it ha- hasn't been test teams, former World Cup champions. Mm. Blowing out these guys. These guys are getting they're getting touched up by associate nations, and um, yeah, it's been good to see. I think I said it previously, but the associate nations, the standard of their play. I mean, they've all got some very very good players in their team. All all of the associate nations have guys who they could say, yeah, well, he's a really he's a quality cricketer. Yeah, there's. It's like, I think that there is in there's at least one player, maybe not the UAE. Um, but, yeah, they were, they were, but they were—they're probably the outlier. Yeah, they're the but they're not that—they're not that far no, an outlier. But they're always going to be—they're going to their progression is going to be along the lines of a Bangladesh or a, or a, you know one of the subcontinental nations. But I certainly see because they've got money, hmm. they love the game, and they're prepared to put time and effort into it. You know, I don't—I don't, I, you know, maybe not the twenty twenty four one, but the twenty twenty. Um, Six World Cup, yeah. I could see that being like 
the UAE, especially a couple of years of this new IPL or uh-huh. the, whatever it is that they're doing over there. Plenty of money coming in. Mm. Um, I can see them being a really a really tough team, especially depending on wherever that's been played. If it's remotely spin-friendly conditions, mm. that could be a, a force to be reckoned with. But I think every one of those associate nations has got at least one, potentially two players, that would not look out of place. You know, that uh, that Baz the lead from, yeah. from the Netherlands. He mm. would not look out of place in a, an England or an Indian or an Australian jersey. You wouldn't be sitting there going... What is this spanner doing playing for a test? He he looks like he belongs with the world's elite, and mm-hmm. he wouldn't. You know, not saying that he's better than all, but he is a player that would. You know, if he was playing for a fully fledged test nation, you wouldn't be sitting. You wouldn't bat an eyelid. He mm-hmm. he, he belongs. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a bunch of players all through those associate sides. I also quite enjoy the uh, level of respect that the associate nations have for tests as well, or at least test playing nations. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. I think that a lot of them, they aspire yeah. to be test playing nations. Did and you that's see what that interview with, uh, with Maya Pan? I hope I'm saying that. I think yeah. I've got a feeling it's Maya Pane, but anyway. Um, uh, they asked him about, you know, you know, how do you feel? You've got a hat trick. He's like, oh, um, you know, I, it really hasn't sunk in yet. Um, to perform like that, um, especially when you're up against a test-playing nation. I'm like, oh, this guy has the right attitude as well mm-hmm. to that kind of thing. So um, I like that. It's good. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a healthy respect for the game and where the game yeah. has come from. Like the there's been a, a format of the game that has given you an opportunity, but they haven't lost sight that the the, the apex of the sport is is longer form cricket, well, and I well, think. It's still all of the great players of the game today are great test cricket players. Yeah. Okay. You know, like your Barbara Zahm, your Steve Smiths, all of these guys are great test players. Even Rohit Sharma is a, you know, he's a good, a very good test cricketer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Virat Kohli. You know, his record speaks for itself. Jasper Bumrah. And these are the guys who these associate nations are looking at and going, yeah. We want to be like Coley, or we want to be like Baba, or we want to be like Rizwan, or you yeah. know, or we want to be like whoever it is they want to be. David like. Warner, we want to be like Joss. Well, I suppose the, the Joss Butler would be the, probably the one outlier. Yeah. <laughs> there's a few there that are, but there's you know, it, there's a lot of really good players. The majority of really good players transcend all the formats. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Uh, it was. I'm. Glad we got this out. I really wanted to delve into it before we touched on the Super 12s. But, yeah, it was just fantastic to watch. And just and it was really gripping cricket. Other than the – and I suppose the fact that it was – they were such big upsets. Yeah. Um, you know, Namibia versus Sri, Sri Lanka yeah. and uh, Scotland versus the West Indies made up for the fact that they were really one-sided games. Yeah. But other than that, most of the games were were – Really good to watch. I suppose um, I think the Sri Lanka UAE one was a little one sided as well. Yeah. But most of them were they were really gripping, entertaining cricket, and, mm. and that's what you want to see. If you're going to be having these, you didn't, don't want it just to be a bunch of blowouts and then getting your Test nations into the into yeah. the World Cup proper. Exactly. Um, it's it's, it's good meant to be cricket. it's meant to be a showcase, and it has and it has showcased the game in other parts of the world in a very favourable light. I think. Yeah, um, like I think I said to you straight after the uh, the Namibia um, Sri Lanka game, so admittedly riding high on the, the immediacy of the success, but 
you know, Namibia potentially is someone that you could look at being, if you're looking to make, you know, we've talked about in the past of having that tiered structure to the, the World Test Championship where you've got the, the eight nations and then the, you know, at the moment I think there's Five there's others. three there's three outliers, Afghanistan, Ireland and um, Zimbabwe, who have test status but aren't part of the World Test Championship. Namibia is a country that quite easily, you know, depending on sort of the, the infrastructure in Namibia in terms of, um, you know, women's cricket and all that sort of stuff. They don't, I don't think they're that far away from being, you could look at, they've got the talent there, you could turn into a, a, a test playing nation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you wanted to expose them more first class cricket, you could even potentially look down the route of having them enter a, you know, a, a first class team, a Namibian first class 11 yeah, into, South our, into the South African yeah. or, or the Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe one. Yeah, and, whatever. and that also then helps. Uh, an influx of fresh talent into the Zimbabwean first class system as well, and they get some exposed to red ball cricket. Yeah. Um, the uh, UAE. I they really should just, the ICC really just need to give us a checkbook and sit back. <laughs> We've got this, all right? Yeah. We've got it. We know what to do. We just need the funds. Well, it's an interesting idea. I mean, you could, if you really were serious about it, you could almost go, okay, here is the ICC. First class development tournament. I yeah. like that. Yeah, and have I like that very much. And have like a kind of like a shield style competition, but yeah, sort of almost. And maybe and maybe pick you know Namibia, Scotland, UAE, yeah. whatever. They yeah. send a squad of fifteen players, and yeah. you host it somewhere I mean, as a tournament. Yeah. Okay, and it might. It might even if you did it over, like, say, a, a half a season sort of thing where they play it could, but what you could, of what you could, rugby but super what it could be, but what it could be is, what it could be is, you know, you send, all right, you send a first class squad, Namibia, um, Scotland, you send a first class squad. Um, even if you wanted to put the other test nations in it, Ireland, Zimbabwe, um, and, yeah. and Afghanistan, they all come together and you, so you, you, Pick somewhere to host it, you know, for example, Australia, but it won't be. But so, you know, you have Ireland, they, you know, Ireland, sorry, Ireland play Namibia in at the Gabba and Zimbabwe play um, the UAE or um, whoever, and then they, they all have a, it goes for a week, done, yeah. and then they go away. And then you go to another, so then you go to England maybe later on in the year because you go to somewhere else where it's now where you can play test cricket. And so you do it maybe so three times over the course of a year. So you get, yeah. you know. Well, you can do then, it Australia, England, South Africa, according to the well, season. You'd have to probably do it India, maybe. Yeah. Um, you, you, if the ICC was going to do it, you'd be liking to get India on board because that would yeah. give well, you money. Well, India could provide a, an A team, a B team, a C oh, team. They don't have to take part. They've just no. got to provide the grounds. No. Um, if you're, no. say, Ireland, if you did actually Ireland, Zimbabwe, and Afghanistan, they're test nations, so they could even host it. Yeah. Um, and then you have it playing just a couple of one-off tests throughout the, you know, maybe twice, three times throughout the whole year and just get them slowly. You know, they not have test status, so they're first-class games. Yeah. List day or whatever. Uh, no, yeah, well, list day would be one day. But they're, they're, oh, so that's right. List day is one day, isn't it? So they're first-class games. At least you're then exposing Namibia, you're exposing Scotland, you're exposing yeah. these up and coming kilts on there already so. <laughs> <laughs> to, to that caliber of level, and also it means that you know Ireland, Zimbabwe, and and Afghanistan, while well, they're not necessarily playing Test cricket in terms of it being an official Test match, but they're playing more first class red ball cricket, which then hopefully gets them prepared for no. when they do play. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think that the ICC needs to spend some money. Spend some money and just give it to us. We'll fix it. Yeah, yeah. we'll fix it. Like I said, yeah. we've got it. We've got this. Cool. I, I'd be I'd be gladly in charge of as the head of associate cricket development. Just think, ha- just hand me a hundred million. I, I think that the uh, I wouldn't be surprised, and obviously we have no way of knowing what the discussions are behind the boards. But I have a feeling that the primary focus of the association development is to do it in a cost-effective way, which is develop and to play short-form cricket. That's where the money is. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're more prepared on how do we how do we develop associates without affecting our bottom line too much, and they just see that developing those associates into being test nations or putting uh, uh, diverting considerable resources into that is a waste of resources if they get there on their own then they'll they'll cross that bridge when they come to it but they're not going to go out of their way to fast track anyone into into test status but anyways we could go down that rabbit hole and we would never ever come out and right after this we've got uh, the beginnings of the super 12s and there have been some really big talking points in the super 12s so far so stay tuned when irish eyes are smiling people (laughs) (laughs) got it patrick slowable beautifully bowled well so we're up to the big leagues now. The Super 12s have started. So the, the qualifiers from the preliminaries were Sri Lanka, Zimbabwe, uh, Ireland, and the, Netherlands. and the Netherlands. They made it through to the Super 12s, uh, and, and that's it. It's now all, all the marbles are being played for, and our Super 12 campaign could not have possibly gotten off to a worse start. No. I don't think you can... Uh, well, a worse yeah, start. Short of maybe the bus falling off the Sydney Harbour Bridge on the way to the ground and all yeah. of the players drowning a horrible death. It's like that scene in Inception, um, except they fall quicker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only other thing that would have made that game worse, the, the Kiwis yeah. came out, absolutely took us by surprise. Finn Allen, what, a, what an innings from him, backed yeah. up by a uh, one. Everyone talks about Finn Allen and how he just destroyed our bowlers, but uh, also Devin Conway ended up with 93, and it was just as sublime and as yeah. destructive as well. It was well, very, I don't, I don't very well controlled innings from Conway. He never he never looks like he's struggling to, to score runs, does he? He well, always looks like he's got somewhere to score. Yeah. Uh, and so they put on basically what 200 we needed to win, and they knocked us over just a tick over 100, 111, 111, just absolutely embarrassing. And like 111 in in that bowled us out in the 18th over for 111. Yeah, I mean, we just weren't in the game. Win. So yeah. not only were we but we 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 lost, but our net run rate is just shot to bits. It yeah. uh, really puts us on the back foot for the tournament. Congrats to the New Zealand. They were. They finally. They finally um, tipped the hoodoo. They haven't beaten us in a white ball game. Well, haven't beaten us. Period. I think for yeah. nine years in yeah. in Australia. So they finally got that one. So hopefully that's the one that we get off their backs and we play them again later on and we uh, give them yeah. a hiding. Give them a hiding. But uh, that we couldn't have got off to a worse start. Um, just. Disaster from top to bottom. Warner got the absolute most absurd dismissal. It just hit about everything it could hit before rolling onto the stumps. Um, yeah. And he, you can only one who say he's really unlucky and everyone else. And this is the big problem that I've got with the Australian side. And we'll talk about it again when we talk about the next game that we play. But uh, mm-hmm. they're just so one paced. There's, yeah. there's no. There's no innings builder, and I'm not. Everyone is just so. David Warner is the only guy in that side, and the only guy. 
in that side. Yeah. Currently, that can construct an innings if the if the boundary balls aren't there. Well, and he's opening. Yeah. So if we lose early wickets and one of them's Warner, we have no one in that side who can construct. Everything is just clear the front foot, hit it really hard. Aaron one, Finch. Aaron yeah. Finch is just a remorseless slogger at the moment. He has no other ability in his game. If it's not in his hitting arc over to Cow Corner, he's useless. Well, there was so much talk about him and Trent Bolt, and he gave his wicket to Mitchell Satner. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Marsh. Yeah. He's what he is. He hits the ball hard. He hits it in more areas than Aaron Finch, but he's yeah. just a guy who's going to go out and slog it. Um, Glenn Maxwell, he's innovative. He can hit it to all sorts of funky areas. He plays reverse sweeps and lap sweeps and all sorts of stuff, but he's a slogger. There's no compiling innings in his game. Uh, Marcus Stoinis, slogger. Tim David, slogger. Top five. Get through the top. Like That's Top six batsmen, we're down to Matthew Wade then is the only guy that can actually look like composing innings. And and that's it. If it doesn't, it's too late for him. Yeah. Like, by then, I mean, by, Maxwell by, didn't play terribly in that game. It was just too much pressure at the end of the but, day. But that's not Maxwell's gig. You don't want Maxwell having to think that hard about the, yeah. the – you just want him going out and playing his natural game. That's where you get the best yeah. out of Maxwell. It shouldn't be down to him at four to rebuild the innings. What you want from Maxwell is to go out, see ball, hit ball, and hit it to everywhere. And we just don't have anyone. I'm not saying that Smith would have won the game against New Zealand, but he certainly would. He's the guy that you need in that situation to just go and all right, let's just knock it around. You know, we get we get four singles in this over and a boundary. That's eight, you know, or ten, and we just keep doing that. Just keep working. Don't get bogged down uh, and. Yeah, you just no one can convince me that Steve Smith is less valuable right now than Aaron Finch in that side. I wouldn't. I don't understand. You know, we've had this conversation about Aaron Finch, and like I seen him again on the news the other day, and he's talking. He's still talking about technical issues. Really? Mm. And we're we're into a World Cup. You're thirty, however many years old. Thirty-five. Thirty-five. And you've still got technical issues, mate. Well, he basically, that conversation we're talking about was just that <laughs> he's, it's now the plan is left armers are getting me out. I've got no real answer to it. So my plan is just to be ultra-aggressive. <laughs> and it worked. He hit, he hit um, Trent Bolt for a mat, like the biggest six of the tournament. I think I, I know what his technical issues are. He's, he's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> father, father time has caught up. It's like I've got technical issues too. I'm well, not that he, good he at cricket. He played arguably one of the worst innings last night against Sri Lanka, which we game we won. He managed, I think he yeah. had a strike rate of 78. Yeah. He carried the bat, got yeah. us through to the end. With and, a strike was lucky. and he came out and said, oh, I was really unusual, really unusual. Like, I just couldn't hit the ball out of the middle. And I'm like, what a staggering lack of self-awareness that you think that you miss hitting the ball is unusual. This has been your gig now for two years. This is you. This is what we – the only thing unusual about your innings is that you were not out at the end. Yeah. yeah. Just, and was lucky to be not out because, quite frankly, they shelled a catch off him that was just – it wasn't that hard. Most international cricketers would have taken it. Yeah. Um, and the, even the shot that he hit to win the game, yeah. it, you know, except for the fact that it carried a couple of extra yards, it was an absolutely awful shot. Like the ball was doing a bit early on. Their seamers were doing a good job. So, like, it's not going to be like he should have struggled early. The way they were bowling, Sri Lanka were bowling well enough, but he just never got out of it. He never got out of his funk. And like I said, he'd been there for the whole innings. 
And the shot to win the game was one that he skied up in the air and it just carried past the 30-yard circle to, so they could get the runs. It just never at any point did he look like he had it in the – he hit a couple of really nice shots. Yeah. Um, they had, looked yeah. like the, the, the plan was to go after Wenindu Hasaranga come hell or high water and they just spanked him to all parts. Yeah. Um, but other than that, he just – he never looked comfortable. And I think in, in with all the rain that we've got, especially on the east coast of Australia and with the, you know, the Wacker being – well, not the Wacker, the Optus Stadium being as lively as it is, I don't think we're going to get too many games like the New Zealand one where we're going to get pumped for 200 unless we're really stuffing up as a bowling unit. If you look at most of the, the, the games that, for the preliminaries and the rest of these Super 12 games, they've all been about that 150, 160, 140 to 170 sort of mark, yeah. which means you don't have to be going at breakneck speed to to keep the run rate under control. You cannot convince me. You cannot convince me that Aaron Finch is more valuable than Steve. Steve Smith, can, if, that, if that's the level of the run rate, Steve Smith is aggressive enough to be able to be effectual in those conditions. If we were putting up 180 to 220 every game, I could see an argument going, yeah, maybe Smith's not the go. Does he really have the firepower to keep up with, you know, 10-plus runs and over for the whole World Cup? Probably not. But if we're looking at lively wickets where the ball's doing a bit early and we're going to be, you know, we could lose a couple of our big guns straight up, you can't convince me that Steve Smith doesn't have a role to play in, yeah. this, in this World Cup. Couldn't agree more. Well, I don't, I don't think the boundary balls are, are the problem, really. Like, Aaron Finch has still hit a few boundaries. He's still hit a couple of big sixes. But just the fact that he's getting beaten a lot. Um, he's, just, he's not turning the striker. Yeah, he's yeah. He's just, just getting dotted up. And it's it's like, well, you know, yeah, it's, he's dot, just dot, not getting consistent singles he's going to dot, go dot, with dot, the dot, six dot, 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 two, dot, dot, yeah, dot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's what always... What you want him to do Always is, gave me the... When Aaron Finch had just missed three of them and then he hit a two, and it's like, no! Give it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it to guy. Yeah, but he's, he, he is. It's the dots in between that are killing him, I think. Um, speaking of the other guy, before we move on to talk some about the other countries, about Marcus Stoinis. He's yeah. been maligned the last few weeks as well as hasn't really contributed with, uh, with the bat or the ball. But, my God, did he come when we needed him. The fastest ever 50 by an Australian in a T20 World Cup. 17 balls to bring up his 50 and, and got us home. It was absolutely staggering hitting and well done to him. We, we needed it. And that's the promise that he's shown through the big bash and some of his you know games earlier in his career. And it hasn't quite transpired, but what a time to stand up. And if that's the Marcus Stoinis that we're going to see for the World Cup, that sort of confidence, that sort of go out and get the job done, then, yeah, any talk of him being um, flipped out for Cam Green is done. It's over. That's Marcus Stoinis has got himself to the World Cup final. Should we make it that far? If he's yeah, going to play like that. I, I humbly admit to being a little bit premature about the demise of the Stoin. He was pretty impressive last night. Yeah, I mean, he was impressive last night. He, uh, I mean... Do we want to talk about the New Zealand game? Because he kind of just gave his wicket away there. Yeah. Um, look, but I, I think a lot of them gave their wicket away there as well. So I, I think Australia are kind of banking on the fact, like, oh, we've got these, we've got five match winners in our in our batting lineup. One of them will come off. One of them will come off which every is, game. Which is exactly what the West Indies have. They're not necessarily yeah. proven match winners, but it's the same plan. It, the same plan is yeah. we've got we've got five guys in our top six that will. 
can find the boundary as easy as you like, one of them will come off. And then there'll be times where none of them come off and there's no one yeah. to put the pieces back together Yeah, that's again. right. But, I mean, there's coming off and then there's what – the story just did last night. Oh, yeah, that it was, was impressive. That was something else. No, was, I'm, I'm ever the pessimist. I'm focusing on the one where he just gave his wicket. Mm. <laughs> um, I suppose the other thing I wanted to talk about from the Australian lineup is I, I don't know if we can keep picking Pat Cummins. We're in a position where we can't pick Nathan yeah. Ellis, who should be the guy that's there. But I honestly think for England, you've got to go with Kane Richardson. Or, as a flip side, you play both Zampa and Ashton Agar. Yeah. And go because Agar will give you four economic overs, mm. and you should be able to get enough out of Hazelwood, Stark, Marsh, Stoinis as your quicks. Yeah, they they still don't know who to finish with. You know, they they've got Stark, um, who I think is, you know, he's he's mixed at best now as a finish. Stark bowled very well in that Sri Lanka game, uh, and I thought he was. He well, was, he had like, parts like where when he needed to, he bowled one that was was a foot down leg side yeah. and went for four. Yeah, I've seen that. that like, was a... you, you can't, like, you can't get away with that against Sri Lanka, but you're not going to get away with that against India, as you, as they saw in the Pakistan game. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that killed them, that Pakistan game where Virat hit the no ball for for six, and it was a, you know, a, a seven... seven and a free split, hit. And, and a free, free hit, hit, which yeah. he, I think he then hit for four. Yeah. Um, you know, like, you, you can't just give sides eight runs off a ball. No. Um, and say that you're still a good finisher. I mean, but compared to what Cummings, Cummins did in right. the last over. Well, he was the most expensive bowler by far in that yeah. New Zealand game and then again was the most expensive bowler in the uh, Sri Lanka one. one of the worst possible last and we probably gave we probably gave them 25 runs more than probably what they should have got. If we yeah, did our jobs exactly. probably. And, and and they were trying to get the, the net run rate back. So, you know, you get 140 on the board, they could have got a good chunk out of that. Um, but they <laughs> threw the ball to Cumming, Cummins and why, why am I calling Cummings? Um, and you know, like if you were if you were a TV executive and you uh, you wanted to make a a game of it, you know, I'm not saying that this happened, but if you were send the word down, that would be the exact over that you'd bowl. A wide, uh, you know, an offside wide, a slot ball, a leg side wide, another slot ball, you know, like it. <laughs> he's not. He's uh, he's a wonderful player. He's yeah. not a. Unfortunately, he's not Superman, and he's not a wonderful T Twenty bowler. Well, he's yeah. not. Looking at this in this Sri Lanka game, so Hazelwood six and a half runs and over, twenty six runs. You know, yeah, Mitchell Stark, even with that that poor over bowl at the end, still was one for twenty three. That's less than a run a ball. Yeah. Agar. He's got the best economy rate by any bowler ever to play more than twenty matches in Australia. I think yeah. it's under. I think it's under six. Yeah, well, and I he just... went at less than six runs and over. And then you've got um, Cummins four overs, nine runs and over. So it's it's a game where all yeah. of the other bowlers have managed to go for basically a run a ball or less. Yeah, and then Cummins is going at nine. Yeah, well, in and and in the twenty twenty game, you know, like what does Cummins? Give us that we don't have, you know, through our all rounders. I think that um, oh, Cummins is oh, Cummins is a better quality than Stoinis and 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 Marsh, but yeah. I don't think he's yeah, that better, he's that different. Better to, quality, but like it, it doesn't matter. You, you don't need to be a wicket taker in the twenty twenty hmm. game. The wickets come to you. Um, 
and I just don't think he's got that that much different. And if we it's, left he's him not out, that much different to to Hazelwood, and neither of them are really that good at you know your changes of pace and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's it just frustrates me so much that that it, everyone's telling you you need to pick specific skill sets to be successful at T Twenty cricket, and you have yeah. a finisher, a guy who is just lives, breathes. Sweats, bleeds, all of that. His job is a finisher in Nathan Ellis. It's obvious to everyone. Miss, he doesn't miss the Yorker. That's that's he his gig. Miss. His gig is a couple of overs early up, and then he just bowls wide Yorkers, Yorkers, slow ball, yeah. slow ball. But his job is to finish the innings. Yeah. He's got a phenomenal record in the games that you've let him play. He should have been in the squad. Yeah. But, but as I said before... Well, that's one option. The other option is you can get Agar and Zampa in the same team. There's no one telling us that you can't have them yeah, in the same I would, team. At this point, I would be dropping Cummins. I know there's a lot of talk about going, we have to have three front-line quicks because we're Australia. But at this point, yeah. I'd be dropping Cummins and going with eight overs of genuine spin in the middle. Yeah. That is going to go, well, yeah, Zampa's got every ability to go and gut teams with wickets, and Agar just doesn't go for runs. Yeah, Agar's ready to go. You know, he stepped right in. You know, Zampa was out because of COVID, wasn't mm. he? <laughs> it's a long time since that's happened. Yeah. But cool. there you go. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's, almost, he's almost better than Zampa in some cases. And if you've got Agar at eight, that gives you yeah. strength and your batting as well. I just, like, I honestly don't see at the moment what – Cummins offers that is that makes him a walk-up selection. Right. Test matches, for sure. Done. Easy. One day is definitely put him <laughs> you in know, there. But... It, it could be that they're trying to they're gonna make him the 2020 captain as well. Oh, oh, they couldn't possibly. They couldn't possibly. So. No, there's no way you'd make a bowler. Well, yeah. Cricket Australia might because they are inept, but there's no way you can make a, a Pat Cummins, who is a fast bowler, yeah, yeah. who's got workload management, the three-format captain. It is just Maybe. absurd. Uh, I mean, it means he basically only captained the side for ICC with, tournaments. They might go with Mitch Marsh then next. I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah, well, apparently he's not interested in captaincy. So. Yeah. Anyway, look, that's, that's neither here nor there at the moment. I, yeah. I, I, you know... We really do need to touch on, I think, that wonderful game that we seen at the MCG the other night. Oh, man, that oh, Pakistan-India yeah, yeah. game, great. that was fantastic. I mean, Pat, what, what a game is. of cricket. Yeah. I mean, What an atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Full-impact like, MCG. I think that was the, the third biggest crowd for any cricket game. And, and Australia was not involved. And Coley came yeah. out and said that he thinks that's his finest T20 innings, and I think yeah. he'd be hard-pressed to convince me that he's had a better one. Oh, that was great. He yeah. just looked. He looked like he was back. That's what yeah. I know. He's been making some runs around the place, and yeah. you know everybody's been saying, "Oh, he, he's kind of back." But to see it for yourself, he, that was Coley at his best. He yeah, was just, he, he was untouchable. Yeah. I mean, that one shot of Harris Ralph that was that was yeah. crazy. He <laughs> played him with a straight bat, straight bat over his head. I, I was like, "Oh, that's out." Oh wait, no, no, it's not. He timed it. <laughs> he timed it. He timed that shot that I didn't know was you know physically possible. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then and then he flipped the next ball for six. Um, if India can win from where they were, it's hard to see them being beaten. If Coley, yeah. we all we said it before the tournament. Coley loves batting in Australia. It would be yeah. foolish to rule out Coley having a big tournament. I mean, Coley could go down as the leading run scorer of this tournament quite easily. Yeah, I mean, Pakistan did really well to get them to where they were, but you feel like if if they can come back from that. The self belief through the squad is going to be mm. massive. They're like, well, we're unlikely to dig ourselves into a hole that deep again. 
what were they? They were they were five down or something like that for yeah. They were four um, for bugger all. That's what. And, I'm and Hardik Pandya just wasn't seeing the ball. You know, yeah. he was. You know, he, the I think the pace of Harris Ralph was a bit much for for old Pandya. Yeah, I um, always find with Hardy Pandya, he likes the guys who are going to knock it in at him around about the 130, 135 an hour yeah. mark. So yeah. they were um, four for 31 at one point yeah, 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 in, yeah. The, in the power play. Yeah. yeah. But um, Hardy Pandya is not the sort of guy who's going to take a Harris Ralph or a, you know, yeah. Muhammad Hasnain or, or someone like that who's going to hit 150. He's not yeah. going to put them over the fence. He was getting done for pace. Yeah. Like quite comprehensive. He's got such a big backlift yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that you, as a, when you're facing fast bowlers, you want to minimise your backlift, not make it even yeah. longer. But he, he found a way. You know, it wasn't a terrible innings. He was just like, no, but I'll just give it to Virat. He'll, uh, you know, he'll flat bat this guy over his head. What about the size of the bat that the guy uses? But it's got edges on it. That like, yeah. I'm sure you can build a house inside of that. It's <laughs> like just absurd. Yeah, yeah. Um, but some of those shots were yeah. just incredible. The one, the one after the shot that I talked about where um, – Harris Ralph took the pace off the ball and he flicked his wrist through it and it went over fine leg for six. And he's generating most of the pace mm. by himself there because it's, you know, it's a slower ball mm. and it's just flown. This is the MCG, man. This is not this is not a county, you know, uh, thing over in England where the mm. ball hits the top edge and, you know, carries 50 metres for six. Mm. This is a, a proper boundary. A big stadium. It was yeah. something. It was quite um quite an occasion, and the game yeah. li- the game lived up to everything that they hoped it was going to be. I mean, I do know that on occasions those India Pakistan clashes can be a bit um, one sided. Yeah, they're either really they're really spectacular, or they're yeah. they're they're one sided. Yeah, even really the spirit of the game was good. It was very competitive, but it yeah. wasn't. I think it, it helps. It's helped the Pakistani-India cricket relations that the yeah. guys play so much together now. You know, like even if they can't play in the yeah. IPL, they play in other leagues around the world with each other, and yeah. you know, they there's more there's camaraderie there as opposed yeah. to hostility. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about the uh, no ball in the last over? I don't think it was a no ball. No. I think by the time it got to him, it would have been underneath his waist, so I think they got away with that one there. Yeah. yeah it was marginal. What, I mean, to, to me, what... what where what where do we draw the line with the technology part? I mean... Yeah. You know, like the technology... <laughs> yeah. the, Jimmy Neesham Jimmy said, did you see that? He came out yeah. on Twitter today and said, um, one way around, you know, the him getting the waist-high no ball wrong is... Uh, measuring every player's waist height and then getting Hawkeye on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just looked like you, you can understand why it was called, but when the, the, the technology ended up being inconclusive. To me, it was yeah. inconclusive. Yeah, true. You, you've got to... You've got to draw a line. It's like, you're, yeah. is it going to dip like this or is it going to... And you think yeah. to yourself, like, if you're, getting a, if you're getting a full bunger like that, most yeah. of the times most batsmen don't mind a full bunger around about the waist. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You're just you, gonna you can do exactly what Coley did. Yeah, yeah, the, exactly. the problem to me was that he didn't call it initially and then Coley looked at him and he called it. Yeah, that, that was what that's a con- that's a controversial to, part to of me it, because think. like he's he's not reviewed that that's not gone slow motion he's gone he's made a call and he didn't he didn't call it a no ball and then Coley looked at him 
and he puts his arm out. Well, you know, your initial call's got to stand, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what Virat, you know. Mm. He's not running the game. Mm. I mean, isn't he? Isn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well... Um, yeah. Um, Bangladesh got their World Cup campaign off to a uh, off to a start. I thought they were in a little bit of bother early on. The Netherlands certainly gave them a, a, a bit of a startle. They were um, four for sixty three, five for seventy six at the ten over mark. I'm like, oh, Netherlands could take a scalp here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they the both teams did well to get where they got to. The um, Bangladesh got to one forty four. Um, so which is is pretty good in the last ten. Um, they bowled really well, and then the Netherlands. I don't think I have seen a worse start to a run chase ever. First ball of the innings, Vikram Singh's out caught behind. Then they had uh, Tom Cooper run out for a diamond duck. Um, <laughs> Baz the lead, sorry, Baz the lead was also out second ball. So they were on a hat trick first ball, the first two balls of the innings. Uh, Max O'Dowd. Just wanted to come back for two and got sent back and then was just in no man's land and was then run out. So they had They're two golden the ducks. One runners between the wickets of Dutch, are they? I mean, they've got a bit of a history of running each other out. So they were four for 15 <laughs> and then they were six for 66 at one point. Yeah. Um, but uh, Colin Ackerman uh, got 62 off 48 and it got the Netherlands within... Um, Within Five, nine runs, yeah. so it was within touching distance, I suppose. So they, like, uh, they're really behind the eight ball. But um, so again, like you have to think that, yeah, the Netherlands just kept their running between the wickets sort and then stopped poking at wide ones outside off stump for the first two balls of the. Like they they lost a lot of a lot of experience in their in their top four. Mm. Straight off the bat, with absolutely no contributions at all, and nearly got there. So Bangladesh did well; they they defended their their miserly total really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna be a coach, it's gonna try and find any of the like the silver linings out of what was just a disastrous batting yes. effort for that game. Is yeah, we couldn't to... have played any worse, and we lost by nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was good to see Taskin Ahmed get some some wickets. Yeah, a bit of pace there. He looked he looked good in that first over. Really yeah. good. Um, and then I suppose I want to touch on probably the most positive thing from the World Cup so far for me is the game that happened today, which is England got knocked off by Ireland. So Ireland's uh, Ireland's habit of just uh, of knocking of beating England in a World Cup continues, and it is that's the only game they care about. Come on, come on. And if I can be a little selfish, it's absolutely massive for us for England to drop yeah. a game because it's if, if things play out the way you would imagine it plays out. And it's going to be New Zealand, Australia, England beating Afghanistan, Ireland, um, and Sri Lanka, and then it just comes down to the who does the best out of those ones. Having England drop an associate game is massive, yeah. massive for Australia. Yeah. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, it, it got rained out. So they lost by five runs on Duckworth Lewis. The rain came. They just couldn't get back on the field. But I think Ireland had put themselves in a position that they were genuinely odds on to win that game. They had five overs left, and uh, Mo and Ali and Lee Livingston needed to go at 10 and over. But it was on a real overcast, lively MCG wicket where the ball was doing a bit. Um, so I think Ireland, like, it's... 
But I, the, you know, you, you can't get fairer than the Duckworth Lewis system. I'd I mean, say I'd say 70-30 not... Ireland was probably where that game was going at that moment. They'd done a really good job of choking the runs. They picked up Butler and Hales really cheap really early on. Um, Andrew yeah. Balburnie had a, a great captain's knock in the Irish innings to really set up that 160, 157 is, run chase. He's such a much improved player. He really is. Like I, I remember seeing him a few years ago when he first came into the team and he was a bit of a plotter. You know, he looked a bit dour. You couldn't really see where his effective shots were. <laughs> it's not the case anymore. Mm. He's um, he's a genuine stroke player now and a very good one. Um, yeah, he and Lorcan Tucker at three had a really good job of getting um – uh, so they were one for twenty one in the in the third over, and then they were two for a hundred and and three. But unfortunately for Ireland, they just ended up losing wickets in clumps. They were then three for a hundred and three, four for one thirty two, five for one thirty two, six for one thirty eight, seven for one forty nine, eight for one fifty two, nine for one. And England England do have good finishes. Sam Sam Curran is particularly good at bowling at the death. Um, as as is uh, I don't know Mark Mark Wood. Well, Ben Stokes that looks like bowled the first over of the innings and then the last. Yeah, they've been doing that of late. Um, um, and, yeah, he did what he needed to do. So Sam Curran, yeah, Sam Curran picked up the... And he's very hard to get away. He's actually a very interesting player, Sam Curran. I'm sure he wishes yeah. probably about another four or five inches taller. <laughs> he would be, yeah. be tough to handle. He would be very a very hard man to handle. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so like I said, so uh, they got uh, Butler out for a duck, Hales out for, for seven, so that's pretty early. And then they had Mo, uh, David Milan scored 35 at less than a run of ball. Ben Stokes is out for six at less than a run of ball. Harry Brook made 18 at less than a run of ball. Um, so that, they were really choking the life out of the England run chase. So you know, while it could be, oh, we still had five overs to go, we could have got there if the rain hadn't come. Like Ireland had positioned themselves that they were like, you know, yeah. Rain or no rain, were, this was a game that you weren't a certainty to win. We were probably odds on to get that one, if, even if it stopped raining. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think that they were probably one over away from just choking England right out of the game because you'd say that 16 favour goes for three or four. When it sends the run rate up to like 14 and over for the last, for last four overs, that's hard going, man. That's yeah. not especially that's not especially with a white ball that's still doing a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that's what I mean about what I said earlier in the podcast about these, especially the West Coast grounds in the condition where the conditions we've got at the moment. You know, need to have just a level head at the beginning and set your innings up so that you don't necessarily need. Yeah. So that's what happened. David Milan scored thirty on it less than a run of ball, mm. and you know it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility that England's tail were going to chase that down. I'd say odds on it was Ireland. Mm-hmm. If I was going to put my bet my own money on it, but you know, ten and over is achievable, especially when you got Lee and Livingston and Mo and Alley down as the um, as the batsman in there. You can chase ten and over in a T Twenty game, and that was so you don't need to be going at a strike rate of one hundred and fifty plus the whole way through your innings. Yeah. It's the the totals aren't big well, enough. I think that's, which is that's, why that's one thing that the teams are going to have to keep their eye on. In current conditions, the, yeah, you, the DL number. Not only yeah. do you have to set yourself up to win the game, and so yeah. you've got to keep in mind of, all right, so we just take a nice and easy beginning because we know we've got a backloaded batting lineup, so we set ourselves up with a platform we can go really hard at the end. You've also got to make sure that you're in the right spot for the Duckworth-Lewis system because if yeah. you're yeah. falling behind it's on that. Be, it's going to be one of the key players, I think, to determine who gets through to the semifinals. 
Yeah. Because there's going to be more games that are going to – the same yeah. thing is going to happen again. Z- Zimbabwe and South Africa yeah, got well, washed out. Well, they were down to – what were they playing? Six overs or something. Eight, I think it was an eight, eight. Eight overs or something. That's, and they needed that's... 30 runs yeah. off. Mm. Like, they had so much. Like, Quentin yeah. McCock had one of the best – like, it was a phenomenal batting display. They had that home and hosed. And the rain came down again. They hadn't played enough games to constitute a match. I think it needs – in that sense, it needs to change to percentage – when you have a when you have an already reduced game, it then I don't know if that's the rule. If I've missed that interpretation of the rule, but I think it was because they hadn't had enough overs to constitute a match. It was then a washout, but it was only a sixteen over match. So yeah. maybe that then then needs to become a percentage oh, of the total. I reckon overs. if it's less than ten overs, you're only allowed five wickets. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, half the overs, you get half. Yes, yeah, like, come on, you got It's got to be cricket still, man. Yeah. Like it's not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah right. I just think sometimes we're getting, you know, this idea that we we have to have X amount of overs to constitute a match in a 20-over game yeah. is getting to the point of being... It's like that joke where it's like, oh, yeah. well, the point one, uh, the, point the one. newest cricket craze. You play the league. <laughs> and the guy just blocks it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's been a, it's been a really... Uh, action-packed start to the World Cup. Like I said, some phenomenal cricket played by the associates and, and we've finally now got to the Super 12s and there has been some absolute fairy tale games such as India-Pakistan. Um, there's been some phenomenal individual performances like Marcus Stoinis. Um, there's been blowouts from the New Zealand finally getting rid of their Australian hoodoo. There's been a fairy tale Ireland knocking over England. It's 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 a World Cup that is I mean, we're entertaining. Laughing. We're laughing now, but we've still got to play Ireland. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, but, but that's the thing, and that's if they need to take away from this. It's no game is a sure thing. Like sure. it's expected that New yeah. Zealand, Australia, um, England will beat Afghanistan, Ireland, Sri, Sri Lanka. Lanka. That, that's that's the expectation. But as we can see here, these guys aren't going away. Like mm. I, I think Australia would have been seriously expecting to have a much more comfortable game against Sri Lanka than what they got. Yeah. Um, and so these teams aren't going like um, Afghanistan gave England, uh, you know, wasn't a, a proper scare, but no, it was but they, they made them work for it. They made them work for it. I mean, so, Afghanistan only posted a hundred odd, a hundred and ten or something. And it wasn't, it wasn't and a straightforward got, game. Yeah, it wasn't straightforward at all. So and just um, yeah, so it's just it's one of those ones that you know it's again you've got the, the the big guns the way that these these groups have been is there's three major powers in each of the each of the groups and then the rest the, the you know, you'd imagine is a considerable step down it's less so in the in the other group i think you'd probably say that it's a bit more even but um yet none of these teams are you know associate or not are saying yeah well we're here to play we're <laughs> yeah. we're not here to stuff around yeah. um so 100 112 and is what Afghanistan put up against England, and England chased it down five wickets down in the nineteenth over. Yeah. So, um, wasn't exactly a, a a big, amazing win for England. And if you, you've got England chasing less than a run of ball, you'd expect them to knock it over in a blink of an eye and, yeah. and get to the pub. But you know, so by no means do I expect that Australia is going to walk over the top of either of these um, nations. Yeah. But, um, I, I, Afghanistan are probably a little bit on the back foot because they're not going to get any conditions that are going to suit. They're not going to get any real spinning wickets that are going to suit their their best chance of springing an upset. 
And I think also with the um, with the conditions that they're, it's not going to suit their batsmen either. They're going to find it very difficult against teams like um, like Australia, like New Number, Zealand, that have got good pace attacks. So yeah. I, um, I I worry for for Afghanistan's chances of being really competitive. But then that game there has shown that like England is one of the dominant powers in the world at white ball cricket, and they've made them crawl to a, a less than a runner ball victory. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all to play for. It's going to be. It's going to especially this sort of this this pool is going to be huge playing over in this side. Uh, is anybody prepared to put their money where their mouth is as far as semi-finals go? Uh, I put mine. I'm still sticking with mine. I think that um, uh, things are slowly turning Australia's way. Um, that especially that lost the, that Irish victory, um, bit of momentum. I'm still sticking with my um, my expected. Ones will be Australia, uh, England, India, Pakistan. Um, but that being and just, I've got South Africa in the corner of my mind. I've, I would like to see them sneak in there. I just, I, I if, if it's going to be anything, South Africa yeah. will sneak in ahead of Pakistan. But I think that those go, those the, the big guns will, will will win out and get what they need to do to get there. Yeah. Um, is still my prediction at the moment. But um, yeah, yeah. The, the the weather and the fact that the associates are. We're not going anywhere. We're here to play. Uh, yeah. It's going to make things very interesting. Yeah, I, um, I think I reserve judgment just at the moment. I'm not really sure who, which way I, I can, I can see Australia getting knocked out too. Yeah, well, I'm, I could. I'm, I'm going to change my prediction of who's going to win. I was on Pakistan. I, th- I think India will win now. Yeah, on the back I'm of afraid. Coley's innings. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, they're going to be very hard to beat. So they've got all the bases covered, haven't they? Yeah. Yep. And if Cole, look, if Coley fires, yeah. in what Australian pitches he knows he he knows he can score runs at will here. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. like I am not like putting the house on Australia making yeah. it through, but I'm still <laughs> think that we're we're a good enough team in our home conditions to get it done. But uh, we certainly can't be arrogant enough to think that we can just trot out the way that we've trotted out and things are going to go our way. Like, let's face it, that is an understrength Sri Lankan side that was... It's a Sri Lankan side that at their best we should comfortably beat, and they weren't at their best in terms of their available personnel. It wasn't a high-quality game, I don't think. No. I mean, it it had a lot of fireworks, but it wasn't a high-quality game of cricket. No. Um, So they've got some some work to do. Um, You know... I don't think Andrew McDonald is getting the best out of his plays in the white ball format that Justin Langer would have. So he's got he and Cummins and Finch and and the leadership group of that Australian team have got some work to do over the next few days because England is going to be a massive test and England will know that they are in big, big trouble because they dropped uh, an associate game. Yeah. Or that's not yeah. that's, that's not fair. Ireland's a test nation. They dropped one of the they dropped one of the games they should win. They dropped yeah. one of the, the bottom three sides, and they dropped that game because of Duckworth-Lewis. So they know that they, this is a must, must win against Australia. Um, so, yeah, the English are coming. So Australia's <laughs> got to be ready to go because... This time it's... Where is it? Is it in Perth? Uh, uh, MCG, I'm pretty MCG. sure. Well, it's going to be a spicy wicket, that's mm. for sure. And, you know, weather could always also be a massive factor as well, so... Um, yeah, it, it's all to play for there. Um, it, it's even things out that it's not necessarily as crucial because we've both dropped a game. Dropped a game, but England will be knowing that you know they would have penciled all of New Zealand, Australia, England would have penciled in. All right, we just need to do the do the job that we know we can do, and we'll take care of Afghanistan, we'll take care of Ireland, we'll take care of um, Sri Lanka. We get that done. 
And then we just need to figure out a way that we need to beat New Zealand and we need to beat England and or Australia, New Zealand or Australia, mm. England. They'll be the games we got to. We do our jobs against these ones and we'll win. We're a better team than those teams. We'll get that done and they'll be concentrated. To drop that game is huge because they'd be expecting because they'll England will be knowing well. We'll win these three. Australia will win those three. New Zealand will win those three. So it's going to come down to the round robin between the three of us. And then for you know whether they get in the way or Ireland to play up to it, or whatever you want to call it, England have dropped that. It's going to throw a massive spanner in their plans and they're going to know that they've got to come out and they're going to have to come hard and they've got to knock off Australia because mm-hmm. otherwise they, they could be in danger of missing out. Mm-hmm. I think they're in, very, they're in very big danger of missing out. They don't go down. I think they don't. Oh, if they don't, I'd, I'd say so. Well, it... because their net run rate's not going to be that good anyway, is it? If they've, if they've lost two games it'd, and it'd, they've only... I don't necessarily know if they're done, but it'd come down to like what Sri Lanka does against Afghanistan and yeah. Ireland and things like that, and whether it'd come down to net run rate then, and hoping that you know the associates don't go on a a real or the bottom three go on a big tear. They, it would mean that yeah, they would be. It'd be on life support there. If right. if England lose um, to Australia on the weekend, their their World Cup would be on life support. Yeah. And and by the same token, vice versa, so it is. So it is. Yeah. If we lose to it, it's it's going to be it's going to be big. Anyways, that'll do us for tonight. We've got uh, plenty more cricket coming away, as you would imagine, with the World Cup. So uh, thank you for uh, joining us for for this episode, and uh, we'll catch you guys for more World Cup goodness next week. Until then, bye for now. Bye. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network.